With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps, the Cricket Club podcast and the only podcast dedicated to club cricket across the UK and beyond. I'm Rick, along with Livo, Moss and Neil, we'll bring you the news, views and a bit of a laugh from around the country as we speak to the players, coaches, volunteers and all the personalities involved in our wonderful game. We'll have all the usual features including our Super Over series, quick fire fun with you and me, me and you and of course our special guest in Cow Corner. We'll also keep you up to speed with all the goings-on in our very own Winslow Cricket Club. After all, that's where it all started. We also want to hear from you, the listener. So please get in touch with any stories or anecdotes via Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply email us at stumpsbumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. So, over to the team at Winslow Cricket Club, the little club with a big personality. So welcome to another episode of Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. And guess who's back with us after a bit of absence? Welcome back, Mr. Marsa. Is that me? It is yeah. you indeed. I am back, Where yeah. have you been? Well, a couple of things. I've, I've been poorly. What about the big news? Well, we'll come to that, but the big news is I feel much better and I'm back on form, good. hopefully. It's good to have you um, back. The other, yeah, thank you, mate. Um, and the other big news is uh, I got down on one knee. You uh, never have. Got engaged, yeah, to Avril. Um we were down in Wales for a long weekend and I was on the old Blynau Festiniog Railway nice. steam train. Popped the question and, well, naturally she said yes. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame her, can you? No, not at all, don't no. Beating off all of the women. Yeah, beating them off at o'clock. Yeah, it was really nice and we got this couple on the train. We'd never met them before. They took all the photos and so Ivan and Gainer, they were called. Very nice from Somerset, so... Uh, yeah, all well, been engaged now for a few uh, few weeks. So. so when's the wedding? Saturday yet? No plans yet, mate. So that'll come, come in time. So uh, no rush. So it's officially off the market, ladies and gentlemen. Officially off the market. So any uh, ladies out there, <laughs> tough. <laughs> <laughs> tough, yeah. Tough. I'm such a catch. <laughs> uh, well, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So we've got, um, coming up, we're going to have two episodes out of one recording, really. And we, we were pleasure, it was a great pleasure to um, interview Lewis Rees from Derbyshire, who had a phenomenal season last season, and we'll talk about that during the, the Cow Corner. But what a lovely bloke. And I have to say, I think definitely he's in line for a future caption on Derbyshire. I think you've got some of his stats. Uh, only brief stats, from last yeah. year, is it? No, just in, just in general. He's got over <coughs> 5,000 first-class runs with a top score of 201 and a best bowling of 7 for 20. So you look into more of his stats if you want to, but there is his best. Yeah, well, numbers. we did go into that in, in the recording, and I think I said to him at the time he kept David Griffin pretty happy because... There was a lot of uh, records broke last year by uh, Lewis Reese. He got seven scores of 50 in a row, 200. It's, it's, it's phenomenal, his record. is. He took a, quite a few wickets as well. And I think uh, definitely, as I said before, future captain of Derbyshire, I think he'd do a good job. Yeah, I think it was, it was a good podcast. I, I thought it was a good interview. I was pleasantly surprised how honest he was. Yeah. And I was also surprised. I knew or I had sort of suspicions that it was quite cutthroat. Mm. But the when he come across, you know, with the with the visual, yeah. visual here in, in the pod of yeah, it, well, I think like, it was a bit cutthroat. I yeah, it was well, I think worse people, than it probably I thought it was. People will make their own mind up about it, but he didn't pull any punches. So uh, I think uh, it's a great listen. It, it was um, a lengthy recording. That's why we're going to split it into two. So the first part is coming up now. <laughs> So welcome again to Cow Corner with me Ian Livo and my mate Mars. Joining us from up in the north of England right now and to take a look back at Derbyshire's season is an extremely consistent all-rounder who ended the season absolutely on fire. He scored 421 runs in his last four county championship innings, culminating in back-to-back tons against Glamorgan. Last game of the season was an unbelievable day game for him. Welcome to the pod, Lewis Reese. Thanks for having me, lads. Absolute pleasure, man. I've got to ask you a very simple question to start, Lewis, before we get into it. It is Lewis, L-U-I-S. Where did that name come from? Because you're a Taunton lad originally. Yeah, I'd like to say there's um, some sort of heritage there, but unfortunately, mum and dad just got bored, so they decided to um, yeah have a, a change of spelling for uh, for one of the names. So I think me and my uh, my other middle brother have got some. Uh, we've got two different names. Well, what's his name? Go, go and tell us now. So his name's Yeyan. So mum and well, my dad's side's Welsh, and yeah. basically fancied a Welsh rugby player called Yian Evans. Ah, so, yeah, yeah. Calling, yeah. uh, call my brother Yeyan. So we usually start these podcasts, Lewis, with uh, a bit of a background on you. I mean, you've had an amazing season, to be fair, which I'll come on to a little bit later. But you know, it, that sort of form and that sort of quality of batting doesn't just come out of the blue. You've obviously had a good grounding. Where, where did it all start for you, mate? And how old were you? And who were your mentors back in the day? So, I started. Well, my brother started playing cricket first. So I was the youngest, youngest brother. Um, my dad used to play, so I originally got into cricket by watching him play on Saturday um, when I lived down in Somerset. And then I pretty much, I started playing when we moved up to the northwest. Um, went down to a club called Vernon Carris. That was my first interaction with cricket, really. We went down and played a bit of softball stuff and then started working um, in the winter programmes and had a couple of coaches called Paul Chapman and Peter Malloy. Um, they were my my first two coaches and the junior setup there was, was fantastic. There was so many good cricketers coming um, in and around the club. And yeah, they, they were, the I suppose, the early groundwork for 
for my cricketing career, really. So what age was that? So I started. I started when I was. Well, I started early with the with the softball stuff. So would have been seven or eight with that, and then obviously you start into the to the hardball cricket a couple of years later. Um, yeah, so I think I played under 11s when I was. I'm gonna go with nine. And when so, did yeah, you then, really feel like you got a talent that could take you further? When when did that sort of kick in? Um, I got into Lancashire under 11s. Um, so I, I got it was I obviously it was a big shock to me. I got um, put forward for a trial um, for under 11s when I was 10. And yeah, I, I managed. I was lucky enough. I, I got in straight away. But back then, I I was an opening bowler at eleven. Um, just a big slogger that, that came in at the end. Um, and yeah, and then it was just probably over those next sort of six months in the winter, I went full hog then and went from the slogger to having um, having my my batting coach, which was Chappie, um, Paul Chapman. He he basically made me well. He banned me from slogging. Um, and then, yeah, the following year I played under 12s, batting at three, um, which was my first ever 50, and I didn't score a boundary. Really? Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, Blogging band work by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those two coaches were, were my early sort of introduction to cricket, and um, to this day now I, I still keep in contact with them. Yeah, Can fair. I ask there, Lewis, you, you said Ver- you were at Vernon Carris, um, which is Preston area, isn't it? Um, that's the, the same club that was used in Field of Dreams with Freddie Flintoff um, and with Kyle. How, how do you feel when you see a club like that go literally downhill? I mean, we, we're a club cricket podcast and you brought up a name that I know from up, up that way very well. It just died on its feet, didn't it? Yeah, it, unfortunately, it's, you know, the area that is, there's, there's a lot of competition for clubs. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going around there and as I say, when I had when I was there, there was the junior setup was um, was fantastic. It really was, honestly, brilliant. Like there's another, well, there's another lad still playing now for Lancashire, Tom Bailey. He originated mm-hmm. from Vernon Carris, okay. um, you know, and it really was. It was brilliant. With anything, it relies a lot on volunteers, and you know, unfortunately, volunteers, you know, they either, you know, they have enough, and they say, you know what, I've I've given enough, and I'm I'm wanting to step away, and mm-hmm. Unfortunately, things just, I suppose, yeah. let slip and it was very sad to see. Um, mm. And obviously, you know, um, you, you see the you see the documentary that it was and it was nice that, you know, that injection came back yeah. into the club and hopefully now it can sort of start kicking on and, and going back to where, um, you know, where I used to see it. You know, if that programme helps these clubs find its feet again, then, you know, it's it's definitely worthwhile and, you know, it'll always be a club that I'll be forever thankful with. You know, what they've given me, um, the groundwork for, yeah. you know, what's been a 13-year professional career so far. It's, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I have to give them a lot of credit for that. So next steps after the under-11s Lancashire, what, what followed on from there? I stayed at Vernon Carris till I was 14. Um, got into the north of England side, at which stage then it was a case of, having conversations with different people and the encouragement then to probably go to a, a probably what was seen then as a better league at the time. So for my development, I went to the Northern League. So mm-hmm. um, one of my uh, close friends, Jim Kenyon, he was a, a Lancashire coach and someone uh, who befriended me and he was, he became a very good family friend and someone 
he's probably the next pivotal man in my career. Um, bless his soul now, he's he's passed away, but he was, um, you know, he was massive for me. He, he took me under his wing and, you know, he gave up all hours um, to go to the nets with me and work on my game. And, you know, we did winter programmes and, and he was brilliant. And he was someone that said, look, come to Blackpool. This is my club. I want to look after you and I want to, I want to develop you into the cricketer that I know you could be. Um, he was Mr. Yeah, Black, he was Mr. Blackpool, wasn't he? He was, and as I say, he was brilliant with me, and I, I, I sort of followed him, I suppose, a little bit. So he was at Blackpool for a couple of years, and left, and then I ended up going to college at Mysco College. Yeah, um, and he was the coach there, and I suppose it was just we were in constant contact, and he kept pushing me, and. We came head to head a few times with me thinking that I'm doing things right and him demanding more from me. And, you know, he, he really did get the best out of me as a kid and, and gave me that work ethic that I needed to um, to kick on to the next stage. So I was at Blackpool then until I was 18. Um, and then I decided then I wanted to move to a club called Leyland. Um, well, I didn't realise you played there. So I went to... I went to Leyland when I was 18 because of a man, well, my brother played there um, mm-hmm. with his friends, but a man called Dave Makinson mm-hmm. um, still plays for the, the Lancashire over 60s. Yeah. Um, but he just said he wanted to do some work with my bowling. Um, and I, I I was desperate to learn on him. Jim had obviously moved on from, from Blackpool at that stage. And I thought it was the right time for me to, to go and, and get some help. So yeah, I went down to, to Leyland and that's what I probably see as my, now my home club. You know, like my brother's got, close connections there my dad's got close connections so you know it's a club that um I probably see as my home club now um and then yeah I, I played there from 18 to to early 20s really any highlights any high scores from that period um I got a thousand runs in, <laughs> in a year there so that was my first sort of I suppose you batting remember season remember those ones don't you yeah. yeah you got you got a thousand this year <laughs> <laughs> a few more than that so yeah exactly so yeah, we won we won the league a couple of times with them, um, mm-hmm. and we were you know a really talented side, a lot of yeah. sort of lads around similar ages, and you know we did really well um, for a good few years. Um, it was that was probably the start of things there where I thought you know what there's something in this. Any of those teammates there moved on to you know county professional cricket, or are they still playing club cricket? No, they're still playing club cricket. So. Um, they they all tasted it when they were younger, so they went through some yeah. of the Lancaster age groups. Some of them that I thought were were more than good enough to make you know bigger steps in the game, but you know they were very happy with what they were doing and they were very happy playing um, playing club cricket, which you know I absolutely respect. And you know that's that's obviously their choice, but you know for me, I I always thought that they were more talented than what I was, and. Um, you know, they just they got to the stage where they're like, no, I'm happy. And yeah, so we just had a, a really good group of lads, which, um, yeah, worked well for a while. And then, as I say, I probably got to 18 where Lancashire had sort of, they said to me, look, Lewis, you're at the end of the academy now, which we haven't got any, um, we haven't got anything for you in terms of on the table. So you're going to have to find your um, find your feet elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I played second team from when I was 16 to, to 18. Um, probably at that stage I was used more as a bowler that sort of batted at seven, eight, something okay. like that. So yeah, I found that difficult. Sort of, mm-hmm. I started finding my feet at second team level and started putting in performances. But 
as is professional sport, they just said, look, you're not what we're after. So um, we advise you to go somewhere else. So at which stage I decided um, I'd go to uh, Australia for a couple of years. So I went to Australia, came back and decided to join up. Well, I, I went for trials at the, the Unicorns. So, yeah, so I went um played in the Unicorns for mm-hmm. a couple of years, which absolutely loved. So I had um, Phil Oliver and Steve Perryman, who who were the coaches, and they were absolutely brilliant with me. Yeah. Um, you know, to this day, they, they support me and they send me messages of saying, well done, and, yeah. you know, they're passing on um, some tips and things, even uh, on the other side of the phone. So That's the probably... great thing about the cricketing family, isn't it? You know, it's, mm. it's, we always say this on the podcast that you've got, you know, it's a different game to football and, and where you've got people that influence your career right at a lower level and you're still involved with those and you'd still go back to those now, I guess, and you are, you know, you are doing, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, I'm very lucky that I've had such amazing people along the way and I definitely wouldn't be where I am now mm. without those people. There were very much people that I didn't know at the time, but how important they were. Uh, in shaping my cricketing career and also who I am today. I'm sure they will say that I would have been challenging at times, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, I always wanted more and I was always pushing myself and trying to go further and further. Um, but yeah, they were very good at keeping me grounded and, and never sort of getting too far ahead of myself. I suppose you've, it's doing it in the right way. And, you know, I think at times along the way, I've always, I've had high expectations of myself, which, you know, very rarely do I get sort of grumpy and things, but it's always at myself. I'm my own worst enemy with things. I'm I'm my harshest critic. So, um, you know, I, I do expect a lot from myself. And at times it probably, it came across the wrong way to people. But as I say, I, I know myself that it was never aimed at anyone. It was always aimed at myself about yeah. what I expected from myself. And that's why we play sport is to be competitive not only with other people, but with ourselves. We constantly try and push ourselves and, and try and get more and more out of this, ourselves. And I think that's what sport's all about, is having that competitive edge. And, you know, and you, you do test yourself in some of the harshest environments going. Stumps, umps, and be a bumps. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Coming back from Australia, what, what, uh, where did your path lead you then? So I decided that at that stage, I probably I started having doubts. You know, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it as a professional cricketer. I need to have something behind me. So my mum and dad were, I suppose, realistic. They were like, look, maybe it's time that you look at getting a degree behind you. You know, you go to university, you, you try and get a, um, a degree behind you and hopefully then mm-hmm. you, know, you can find something. That doesn't mean you give up on your cricket. You can still do it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you, you 
you're 20 now, you need to sort of look at trying to find something um, in case you didn't get where you wanted to. So I decided to go to, to Leeds Met. No other reason other than to play cricket. Yeah, I looked at probably doing a course that, shall we say, providing enough downtime for me to train. <laughs> um, so I looked at a, a non-exam course. A non-exam? Um, Is there such a thing as a non-exam course? There certainly was, and I found it. So, <laughs> so I, um, I, I need my one first, then. My first year, I think I was in four hours a week. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, hang on, hang on, hang on. Early 20s, <laughs> living in Leeds, four hours of university a week, and could do what the hell you wanted otherwise, cricket plus. Exactly, exactly. So okay. really, that was the first sign of, you know, a bit of intelligence. You find the... <laughs> You find the uh, the avenue that's going to present the most opportunities. So um, definitely. So yeah, definitely. no, four hours a week. Um, what did you come out of that university with? So I came out with a two-one. So <laughs> so I came out without with an a exam. One. You get a two-one. How's that work? No, no, no. So it was all coursework based. Okay. All coursework based. Um, I think when I started uni, I went straight to the I suppose the freshers' fair is what they called it. Yeah. Um, straight in, and I was like, right, where's the MCC stuff? Bang. First thing I said, I was like, all oh, right. Um, introduced myself and said, I, I'm Lewis, you know, I'd like to sign up to the trials. And they were in, they're only in like a couple of weeks after um, the freshers fair. Yeah. So I was, I just said, look, I've just had a injection into my ankle. Um, you know, like I'm sort of, you know, I just need to take things slow. So I won't be able to bowl for six weeks. And they're like, oh no, it's fine. You know, just tell the coach, you'll be absolutely fine. So I was like, okay, good. Brilliant. So a few weeks later, rocked up at the, at the trial. And then there's this South African man in front of me, Andrew Lawson. Didn't know anything about him. I just, you I do just, now. yeah, <laughs> I um, got this piece of paper and it had me down to bowl about four times. And I was like, um, sorry, I spoke to the man when we signed up and I said that I couldn't bowl for six weeks. Um, it's got me here to bowl. I'm just letting you know I can't. And I was expecting a conversation. He just turned to me and just said, well, let's hope that your effing batting can get you into my squad. <laughs> So I was like, oh, wow, right, okay. Um, All the incentive you need there, then. Yeah, so I was petrified for the rest of the, the trial of this man. Um, so, yeah, thankfully my batting showed up okay and I managed to get a get into the initial squad. Um, and then he's probably the next person that changed my career a little yeah. bit. Um, so I played early season with him. Um, sorry, going back... We, we ended up with a great relationship straight away. My sister got poorly um, at that stage. She Very weirdly, she had a, hiccups for 11 weeks straight. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it was probably more of an annoyance to anyone else than to her. But she had 11, she basically had hiccups for 11 weeks straight. So she went to a brain surgeon eventually. So after all the tests, she had a scan and it, basically part of her brain was falling down a tube at the back of her head. Wow. So she ended up having to get it cut out. Um, and then she caught meningitis um, in a recovery. So mixing that with the training was the hardest thing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause obviously I had a, I'm just trying to prove a point. I was good enough to be in the squad and I was, I was at this stage, I was genuinely scared of the man. Um, he was, yeah. So I'd, I actually had to sit down with him and I said, look, I'm really sorry, but you know, my sister's not well. Um, I explained the situation and he just said, what are you doing here then? He said, yeah. go home. He said, be with your family. This means nothing. Yeah, just what he you said, wanted to hear. Yeah. He said, like, your spot's still going to be here when you get back. He said, just 
please keep me updated, keep me in the loop. He said, but just go home and be with your family. And at that stage, I looked at him completely different. I was just like, oh, this man's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think that sort of changed <clears throat> our whole relationship and the whole dynamic of it. So I think he began to realise a little bit more about me because um, we we're in conversations and I, there was a couple of training sessions and things that I couldn't go to. But then, you know, we had a training session at like 6 a.m. in the morning um, mm. on a Friday. So I used to go to that training session at 6 a.m. And then I drive home um, back to Lancashire to, to be with my sister over the weekend. Um, so he told me to go away and I said, no, I said, this is what I want to do. So he said, OK, he said, but keep speaking. But I think he had a bit of respect, the fact that I wanted to do the, the fitness session at 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, and then go home and be with my family. He was honestly brilliant considering how scared I was. I remember telling my, my dad, <laughs> I was like, this man's, he's brutal. Like, I don't think we're going to get on whatsoever. Mm. And he was just like, just give him time. I'm sure he's exactly thinking if, I can get, if there's a bloke out there and get him to do more f- than four hours a week, he's not. not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I was very clever. Again, I didn't tell my mum and dad that I was only doing uni for four hours a week. So um, they, they, they know that. now, though, I hope. They know now. They yeah. yeah, they do know now. Stumps, umps, and beer bumps. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. We got through to the season, started playing. Um, and I think I started from batting at six, seven and bowling first change. And then he had a conversation with me um, later on that summer. And he just said, Lewis, he said, I think they've got this wrong. He said, you need to be a batter that bowls rather mm-hmm. than a bowler that bats. He said, that's how you're going to make it as a professional cricketer. You're not going to make it as a as someone who's a genuine bowler. He said, I think, you know, we need to change your focus on things. So I was like, right, OK. Um, I said I'm happy to do that. So he all winter we were we basically you know I think they had the hall from eleven till three o'clock or something like that in in Headingley and I was pretty much there from eleven till three and he just pretty much whenever there was a gap he'd be like All right, come on right, we'll go jump on the machine we'll do more and more and more. I just kept feeding your balls constantly. Kept feeding, kept talking to me, kept telling me what I needed to do, and then things sort of happening in the background which I didn't know about. He was constantly on the phone to. To county saying, look, I've got this lad here. I just don't know how he's not. Okay. Um, you need to have a look at him. You need to be doing this. As well as playing for the Unicorns still at that stage as well. Yeah. And him and a man, um, I'm sure you guys know him quite well, but Clive Radley. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was the combined unis coach at the time um, for the country. He was the other man um, that those two worked together in tandem and said, look, we've got this lad. You need to have a look at him. Um, and they were just... They kept pushing my case and yeah. kept doing it, but we didn't really hear anything until I was playing against Lancashire um, for the combined uni side at Durham. So we were at the the race course ground, the university yeah. ground, and I scored eighty odd against against Lancashire. Um, and Gary Yates came up to me um, afterwards and said, "Look, Lewis, we want to actually have a look at you again as a batter." So. Yeah, I ended up, I suppose at that time, I was a little bit unsure whether I wanted to um, after being sort of hurt the first time and, and sort of been told I wasn't wanted. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to prove them wrong. I am going to go back. So I went back then and did really well. And then, yeah, they, they ended up offering me a, a summer deal for the next year um, on the back of those performances that year. Was that about 2013, would that be? 2011. Okay, a bit before. Yeah, yeah 11. And then you, so, you played your first county game a couple of years after that? 
first okay. county game in 2013. Mm. Yeah, quite late compared to one or two that we see coming through these days. Yeah, and I think that's probably a mixture of probably me not seeing it early enough in terms of being mm. a batter at bowls. Mm-hmm. But also, I suppose, I don't know, I think I've never thought I was the most talented human being alive. I was always someone who worked hard. And I think my hard work, mm. not not on the necessarily on the uni side, but the cricket inside, it gave me that chance to go out there and, yeah. and really focus on it. And I had someone there in my ear all the time, someone mm-hmm. who I had my full 100% trust in, which is very rare anyway, but I trusted him with everything. So anything that he said, I just gobble it up and I was like, right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I say, he's he's still a very good, good friend of mine and someone that we speak to for hours. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I say he speaks to me for hours. I just <laughs> sit there and listen. <laughs> yeah, it's it was late. Um, but I think it made me appreciate my journey a lot more than, mm, you know, yeah. say if you're gifted at 16, 17, you know, it was, I was very much like, right, I'm here now. I've got to make the most of this. Yeah. And I think the journey that you took through club cricket, uni cricket, bit of Aussie cricket, I mean, you had a bit of absolutely everything. So it prepared you for what you were going into, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it was, as I say, it was always like, I always tried to push myself and I always wanted to be the fittest lad. I always wanted okay. to bowl the most overs. I wanted to, I really wanted to push myself that way. So, mm. as I say, our uni coach said from day one, said, look, lads, these boys are professional cricketers. They're going to be training all winter on their skill work. They've got all day, every day to do it. Mm. Your area of getting in is being fitter than them. There's no excuse not to be. So we've mm. got to make you fitter, got to make you stronger, and we've got to make you hungrier than all of them that's how you're going to get in definitely uh, and i think yeah. that's a misnomer lewis isn't it for a lot of even club cricketers out there who think these county lads turn up in march away you go play till september six months off you guys have basically what six weeks off and then when are you back in nets and training with derbyshire this year what gives a rough date so i think it's the 9th of november we're back in 9th of november so you know just think about that for anyone who's listening mm. that's five months prior to probably going outdoors to play any cricket it is it's you know for those people that stay behind like i've been australia what eight times nine times um but when you stay behind it's it's a long winter like you yeah. you're in that indoor center day in day out you you know you're getting beaten up basically by the the snc coach he's he's making you want to throw up and these sort of things it's you know it's a brutal sort of um phase mm-hmm. of your yeah, I suppose it'd be a year, really. Um, yeah. Is that why some of the lads try to escape to Australia, then? Yeah, it's definitely gone through my head, as <laughs> my, through my career, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think because there is more of an emphasis, there's more, I suppose there's less cricketing stuff you can do when you're in an indoor centre yeah, than definitely. when you're playing on grass and you're out playing in Australia. Um, rightly so, you have to put the hard yards in fitness-wise. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm staying this year is, you know, I had a couple of operations two years ago mm-hmm. um, and I really want to sort of try and get it as right as it possibly can be now to hopefully give me the best couple of years um, going forward. Stumps, bumps, and beer bumps. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So what, did you had three years at Lancashire? I had six years at Lancashire. Um, yeah, th- six years, three years of the county championship, so a few years yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, I had my breakthrough year in 2013, which went probably as better than it could ever have gone, followed by probably one of the toughest years <laughs> I'll ever go through in 2014. That was a mixture of Peter Moore's leaving, who was brilliant with me. He, you know, he gave me my chance, but he backed me and he was, he was someone that was always looking at developing me, always looking for me to take the positive approach. Um, and he was brilliant. And I have so much respect for the man. Um, I think he's, you know, one of the best coaches I've worked with. And then, yeah, the following year, he ended up going to England, which absolutely deserved. Um, I thought he was harshly treated by England, but yeah, he, he left, which was um, disappointing for me because he was, you know, someone that I was enjoying working with and learning from. Yeah. Then we had a bit of a change of tempo in terms of we had um, we had Glenn Chapel taking over. Glenn had just finished playing then, hadn't he? Yeah, he had. So um, he changed and transferred into the coaching stuff. Mm. Um, and then Ashley Giles, the year after, became head of cricket. Yeah. And then they, then it was your time to disappear. <laughs> yeah, I think it came to a stage where. Uh, I suffered my first acknowledgement of mental health stuff. I I lost my best friend at university, Tom Harbin, um, mm-hmm. and my grandma in, in close proximity together. Um, and I, I just basically didn't deal with it. I was trying to look after everyone else, um, just tried to sort of not admit things were, were tough and all the rest of it, and eventually it all caught up with me. And after um, one of the innings um, in a county championship game, I got a bad decision um, and ended up punching a locker, which is very unlike me anyway. Um, but yeah, like I punched a locker and broke every bone in my hand. Um, oh. So yeah. rightly so, I obviously annoyed the Lancashire hierarchy. Um, I didn't tell them anything that was going on in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time I did, it was too late. They obviously, they tried to understand and they tried to do it, but the damage was done. I yeah. was out for nine weeks. Mm-hmm. So obviously one of their, I suppose one of their asset, assets is out for nine weeks. And um, although I got told it wouldn't be held against me and I did everything that I could and probably more. So I did charity work in between. I, you know, I was coming in trying to do 12 man with a broken hand. I was, um, you know, I was trying to do everything I could to try and make it up to everyone. But ultimately, Ashley Giles at that stage pretty much wiped his hands of me and said I was done. Um I think I played one game at the end of that season in 2015 um, through an injury and I scored 90 in the mm-hmm. last game of the um, the county championship. So I was thinking, oh, maybe that's you know mm. my way back in. Yeah. Um, trained really well over the winter, came back the following year and basically first game got sat down and just said, look, no matter what you do, you're not going to play first team cricket for the rest of the year. So I was like, right, okay. Um, obviously, in my head, I was upset um but I sort of was like you know what no I'm not taking no for an answer I'm just going to keep doing it I'm going to keep get my head down do what I mm-hmm. need to do um yeah I scored scored runs uh, I think I scored a fair few hundreds that year in the two so I, I kept checking in I was like look 
is your stance still the same? Yeah. Is it there? Yeah. Have you play? seen what I'm doing, guys? Have you seen what I'm doing? Yeah. And they said, no, it doesn't matter what you do. So I was like, right, okay. And then went 100, 100, 100. <laughs> went back in and said, look, really? Right, is this no? And they just said, no, we're not We're not even going to consider you. So I was like, right, wow. okay. And then I played, played in the 2020 stuff for the twos and did well. And bearing in mind, I was seeing 2020 was the format that yeah. I actually thought I had no chance in. And I bowled. I remember it was at... Um, I bowled at West Horton, uh, okay. and I bowled like these cutters, like just, and it was on a helpful wicket, but it, I bowled really well. And randomly, like I got back to my phone, and so I was deleted out of all the groups. So, hey, yeah, harsh. So, yeah, I I got this message saying welcome back, Reese, into one of the groups, and then next message was 2020 squad for the ones, and my name was in there, and I was a bit like, this is really weird. Mm. So didn't say anything, just cracked on and we played, we went down to Worcester um, and it was like, I remember it was like a 40-yard boundary one side <laughs> on a wicket that definitely didn't look like West Orton's wicket. <laughs> and they just said to me, said, oh, Lewis, we're really impressed with how you bowled in the twos. We'd like you to do that in the middle overs to the long leg side boundary and just sort of bowl your cutters leg side. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Happy <laughs> doing that. I ended up so they just said, don't worry, you're going to bowl in the middle. You won't bowl anything up front. Don't worry about it. So I was like, right, okay. Ended up bowling in the power play to the short <laughs> leg side boundary. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay. Um, actually, ended up bowling really well. I think I bowled three overs. I think it was three for 20. Not bad, yeah. Not um, bad. They got 220, I think it was. Oof. So I was obviously over the moon with how it went. Um, but unfortunately, I did break Josh Butler's hand. Um, I bowled a, a wide Yorker with him stood up and it hit him on the end of his thumb. Um, I, 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 now, let's get something straight here. You didn't break his hand. He, well, didn't, did. he, didn't, he didn't catch it right. I bowled that fast. It just, you know, it obviously bent his hand back. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not having it. These wicket keepers who play <laughs> bowlers, I'm not having it. Yeah, If he'd have caught it where he should have caught it, and he's got, to, he's got to be aware that you're not a full-time bowler. You were a part-time bowler to a certain extent. And bear in mind, you've just been brought back from, you know, let's be honest, West Orton. Anyone can bowl there. Um, <laughs> so to bowl on a road at Worcester to a short boundary, he's got to expect you to put it out there a bit. So if you're listening, Josh, which I very much doubt you are, you should have bloody caught it. Well, to be fair, he then batted with a broken thumb. And what came after that was absolutely unbelievable. So he literally had someone tie his glove on for him. Wow. Um, he had a broken thumb and he was hitting sixes everywhere. And I think he scored like 80 and 30 balls. We were, I think we were trying to think whether we were 90 or just over 100 in the power play. <laughs> and they, they killed the game there. He played mm. one of the best innings I've ever seen. Um, played a couple of T20 games, started finding my feet, um, ended up opening the batting against Derby. Um, and you know, I hit 30-odd in 20 balls or something and felt really good. And then I played one more game after that. And then just as I was getting ready for a T20 game, so I came. I always come in early to have a hit. So I came in to have a hit, just about put my pads on, and Ashley Giles popped his head out of the office and said, oh, Lewis, can we have a chat? And I was like, sure, yeah, what's up? Uh, just to let you know that um, we're letting you go. So I was like, okay, um, right. And he said, yeah, I just thought I'd let you know. So you can take your bag and go home now. You're not going to play tonight. I went, what? So I went, what? So I was like, right, okay. How long before a game is this? Two hours. Okay. So I was, I was a bit like, right, okay, that is brutal. 
Mm. So I um, got in my car and, and went home. Um, absolutely sort of couldn't really believe what was going on. Um, so, yeah, it took um, probably a week or so for me to to get to grips with things. And, and then I, I got the option then. It was either you can come and play twos cricket again or you can go and try and trial somewhere. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I was trying to work out my next steps. So it was like, what do I do? So I went, um, I was like, right, no, I'm going to play because then I'll use that as a shop window. So I know that I'll get a game every week. Yeah. yeah. So I'll go and I'll play and I'll hopefully impress these people as I go and and see how we went. And it went really well. Um, well I, I think I scored another 300s before the end of the year. Yeah. And it got we had a week off. And I remember I got a phone call from John Sadler. So he was Derby's coach at the time. And he just said, Lewis, look, I really like you. I'd, I'd love you to come and um, come and have a trial for us. And this was when Kim Barnett just got on board. Okay. Um, so he just said, look, ultimately, I'm not going to be there this week, but um, hopefully that Kim's going to be down there. And, you know, Kim's the type of man that if you do really well, that he's probably going to, you know, he'll probably offer, offer you something there and then. Mm. So I was like, oh, brilliant. So first day I rocked up and um, he wasn't there. So I was like, oh, okay, second day I rocked up and uh, there was a man in a green tracksuit. It was a Staffordshire tracksuit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at one of them now. <laughs> yeah, I've got one here, yeah. <laughs> so he was in uh, a Staffordshire tracksuit. So I rocked up and I shook his hand and said hello. And then it, I think it was like 10.55 and he said, right, lads, I'll see you later. I'm off to Old Trafford now. I've got a meeting up there. So I was like, oh, so you're not going to stay and watch. So we were at uh, Denby, I think it was, where okay. we were at as well. Um so he came back about half an hour left of the day's play um, and I'd already got out. So I was like, oh, well, this ain't going well. So then he um, he pulls me in the car park at the end and said, uh, Lewis, can I have a word? And I said, yeah, sure. What's up? And he said, um, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I got told you guys were interested in me. Um, I said, why? And he said, well, I thought you were at Lanks. I said, no, no. I said, they've released me. Um, so, yeah, I got told you guys were interested in me. And um, so, yeah, here I am. And he said, oh, all right. He said, um, that's interesting. He said, well, if we're ever short of a twos player, I'll give you a call. <laughs> and I said... Um, Another confidence booster. Yeah, I was like, sorry, Kim. I said, I don't really think that's um, what I'm after currently. I think I'm at a stage in my career, I'm 26. Yeah. I'm probably looking for, for other things. And he said, all right, well, I've got your number anyway. And I was like, okay. So my dad was stood next to me. Um, he came to watch and... Um, he just turned to me and said, sorry, mate, that's um, that's obviously tough to take. And I was like, yeah, that's that's probably the end of Derby. Two days later, I got a phone call saying, Lewis, we've got a two-year contract on the table for you. And I went, sorry, what? So, yeah. When was this, about mid-2016, was it something like towards, that? Towards the end of 2016. Yeah, OK. So, just quick question, looking back at what you've just told us there, Lewis, and you know, if you don't mind me asking this one, you you, you raised um, the issue of mental health, and you obviously went through this when you were at university, when you had the, the family issues with your sister, etc. cetera, uh, and you were very good then in, you spoke up and you spoke to your coach and you told him about it, and he said, hey, family comes first, and you did it. Do you have a little bit of irritation, frustration, guilt even in you that you didn't do the same when you were at Lancashire? Because you did, you know, as you say, uh, go through a period when, in your own words, you should have said something. Uh, and do you think that affected what, what happened there for you? It did, definitely. I think if I spoke about it earlier, it would have helped. Hmm. Um, but ultimately, I didn't have that relationship with the coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that goes both ways. Yeah, and 
like ultimately um it's no one's to blame but I've I've always known that I was a little bit different in terms of I'm not a massive drinker I'm not someone who goes out party and that sort of thing and you know Asher Giles and Glenn Chapel are more old school so I was always I suppose it was made known to me that I was different right mm-hmm. um so I didn't ultimately have that trust in them with okay. my family life I'm mm-hmm. very protective with it um and as I say Andrew Lawson didn't give me any reason not for me to trust him at that stage although we weren't close at that stage yeah. I also knew that you know he needed to know because I, there were times where I'm going to have to be in different places. So there were a time that I'd have to go to hospital or I'd have to go home. And so he, he was, I suppose he really did have to know where I was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lancashire, I always thought that, you know, I was used to putting on a mask. It was very much a, I'll call it a corporate feel to it. Yes. Um, so I, I just thought I could stick my mask on, crack on with it, leave the gate and away I went. But ultimately, the longer it went on for, the more I dreaded going into work. Yeah. And I call it work because at that stage it was Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Um, and it became more and more hard work. Um, and as I say, I didn't have that relationship with either one of those two to mm-hmm. go and speak to. And that's arguably what cost me my probably my Lancashire career. Stumps, ups, and beer pumps. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fast forward to the next season, because obviously you signed a two-year deal at, at Derbyshire. October 2016, that was. Did you go into the next season, 2017, uh, playing regularly, or do you have to build yourself back up into the first team now? How did that go? Um, I remember I was in Australia that winter, 2016, um, came back. Avoiding um, the S&C coaches, obviously. <laughs> Well, I think my I think my actual deal only officially started in January. Oh, yeah. that, that's a good deal. That's clever. So yeah, I, I came back and at the time it was obviously a different environment at Derby. There was Steve Stubbings, who I've got all the respect in the world for. Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and basically, Billy Billy Godelman was the the two head figures there, if you will. Kim was very much in the background and, and those two were left to run in the, the training and the day-to-day stuff. So we rocked up at Derby Uni on my first day um, and they sort of introduced themselves and unfortunately I had to do a, a bleep test on that morning. I was like, brilliant. Um, but um, yeah, they they were there. So I never actually knew where it was actually stood in terms of the pecking order or anything like that. So we had a marquee on the ground that year mm-hmm. Um and there was a couple of new signings, Gary Wilson and Darren Smith. Obviously, I knew they batted, so I was a bit like, I actually don't know where I'm going to fit in here. 
but I was lucky enough that I started off in, inside and it was the game against North Ants where me and Billy batted together and it was a wicket that was really tricky and we ended up doing really well. We got, I think we both got to about 80 in the second innings before um, ended up turning to lob ups to set up a game. Um, but I suppose that 100, well, 100 and, I don't remember 160, I think, in that um, second innings, which really sort of settled me down a little bit in Derbyshire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think batting with Billy was brilliant. He was, yeah. you know, he was honestly one of the reasons why I settled so quickly into Derbyshire because of how nice and, and caring he was for me. And he was always seeing if I was all right. He was always seeing if he could do anything else to help me sort of fit in. And he was brilliant. So, yeah, the, the Red Bull stuff I started in, um, the one-day stuff that followed I didn't start I was carrying the drinks but at that stage I was just so happy that I was involved in things like I was you know I was really pleased and then I think I ended up batting at seven or eight or something in the one days at the back end of it which I'd never done yeah. really before and I probably yeah I was awful at it um, <laughs> yeah so that was that and then um, I wasn't going to play the 2020 the first season either I think Tom Wood was going to play and then he got injured um, which then gave me an opportunity to bat at three. And then thankfully everything went as well as it possibly could have done in the 2020 mm-hmm. stuff. And then that was my sort of, that was me basically cementing my spot in in all forms there. So yeah, that was that was probably the first season of sort of bedding into Derbyshire life. So the obvious question, you know, you're an all form player, which of the forms do you prefer? So there's different reasons for each one. <laughs> You've got one game to play tomorrow, Lewis Reese. What's it going to be? I'm going to say a packed house 2020 game in front of all the Derbyshire fans. Okay, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Not because I prefer the format, just because mm-hmm. of a full house with all the Derbyshire fans. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. Like, it really is brilliant. You you mean a uh, a full house when Scrimmy's coming in to bowl the last <laughs> over against Lancashire type of game? Exactly. Like, that's honestly one of the best experiences I've had at Derbyshire. That yeah. was... An unbelievable atmosphere. It was possibly my favourite night at Derbyshire in the last X number of years now. Um, and I'm sure as a ex-Lancashire player, you took zero pleasure out of that, Lewis Rees. Oh, yeah, I hated that moment. I mean, <laughs> that, was, that was awful. Um, nah, honestly, that's, yeah, it was brilliant. And it's been nice that over the last, well, since I've been at Derbyshire, we've beat Lancashire at home a few times. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's definitely a fixture that still has a different feeling to everything else. So when you got the the fixtures last season, you saw that you were playing Lancashire in that first game of the season over at Edgebaston rather than at Derby. Was that a bit of a disappointment? I'm not going to lie. Any game that gets taken away from Derby is a disappointment. That's a good answer. I like that. Because of how good the fans are. Like, yeah. it's a disappointment when you're not there. As I say, I'm sure you guys have witnessed Chesterfield against Yorkshire and how massive that is. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I remember, you know, the game that Critch won it for us. I, I wasn't playing yeah. that, but I watched yeah. it. I watched it and it was unbelievable. Yeah. The okay. game the year before that when, you know, I think it was the final over again um, and I caught Tim Bresnan when they needed six to win, I think, off the last ball. You know, or even this year when Lewis and, and Guesty were smacking it everywhere. The atmosphere yeah. at a Derbyshire game is unbelievable. Like, we seem to do close games quite regularly at our <laughs> For whatever reason, they're always close games. And... The fans are brilliant with it. They really are. So for that reason, any game that gets taken away mm. is a disappointment. But, you know, it's, I suppose, when you're playing at Edgebaston, the one negative that you have with it is that you're not in your home conditions. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's different because 
you have a mixture of Birmingham Bears fans there or Lancashire fans there yeah. and it's a bigger stadium so it's a different feel so that's that's the only downside of it yeah. but the, the actual blast off was an amazing sort of occasion anyway just a shame that we didn't come away with a win you know the fact that we lost is sore but the fact that we lost to Lancashire he makes it that little bit worse <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gents, uh, that was uh, Lewis Reese, uh, part two to follow, right in about a week's time. Um, but um, just while we're on the subject, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a uh, place in Burton-on-Trent. It was the Queen's Street uh, Community Centre. And our very own Livo does a session there called Bat and Chat on a Friday morning. And I have to say, very impressive. Livo does a bit of a coaching session with um, mental health patients and... They do a bit of uh, training, so warm-up, some cricket training, and it's followed by a cup of coffee, a biscuit and a chat. And we were fortunate enough to have um, George Grimshaw turned up. Liv, I would ask him. I turned up representing Staffordshire. It was a great morning. And funnily enough, we would talk to George about Lewis, and he said he'd be a perfect man for, for the job should he want to be captain. All right. So Super. bat and chat, Friday morning, Queen Street, Community Centre. It's run by mind, and I think Livo's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, that's it. Admission, paying admission, or is no? It I think up? it's open to clients of mine, to be honest with you. Okay. So if you have got issues, you know, whatever they are, of a mental health nature, then you can turn up, and uh, I would imagine speak to mine first, and uh, uh, we can certainly, if people want to contact us direct, we can certainly put them in touch with it. But very good initiative, anyway. See, I met uh, George at the bottom of it was the bottom of oh, he's the man himself. Liv, I just walked in. Just walked in a lot. Just <clears> talking <throat> about him. Yeah. At the bottom of, um, what's on about there? Tesco. Oh, Tesco, yeah, I just bought a French stick. So, Did you? yeah. Yeah. If, if it, he could have used it as a bat, he could have gone tomato <laughs> and bought that down, down the frozen food yeah. aisle. <laughs> So it was, uh, if you wonder what nut it was, it was me that was speaking to him. Well, I did forget to actually mention it to him because I was quite busy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, really, uh, yeah. Nice lad, into George. I don't think he knew who Neil was. They didn't know who I was. I had no. to say, I did say I was from the podcast. So that's all we've got time for for this edition of Stumps, Umps, and Beer Pumps. Thank you to our special guest today. If you know someone at your club that wishes to come and have a chat with us and talk about your club, then please email us on stumps, umps, and beer pumps at gmail.com. Also, please like and subscribe, and also you can follow us on Twitter. If you've got any questions, any stories, or any funny anecdotes, then please again email us on stumps, umps, and beer pumps at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed our tour around club cricket life. So please join us again for more of the same. Thank you very much for listening. This is Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. So until next time, there's your one for the over. Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stump, 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 st